You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hopton. Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to Sticks in the Six, episode 112, brought to you by the folks at Indie Ale House. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with obviously only Peter Barracchini, but Peter... How's it going this week, buddy? It's going great. Uh, obviously, you know, trying to get by with the weather. I've had a couple of days where, you know me, how sometimes I deal with like migraines when the weather gets re- really, really crappy. And I had a really couple of crappy days. So not fun, especially when your head is pounding. Like, you know, it's like just being beaten with a baseball bat or something like that. It was just bad. And even like previously, the whole just the weather right now and like where we are, it's just wow just like event after event after event we had a couple storms and now all of a sudden the deep freeze now i hope everyone is just you know staying warm because today was not a fun day to go outside no no it definitely wasn't uh, i mean this is this is kind of what it's all about living in canada eh? we we, we oh, finally yeah. got hit with the uh, the big snowstorm we knew it was coming we got by january pretty good but uh february hits and the, and the snow comes in and um, yeah, I mean, it's like everybody forgets how to drive up here. So the great oh. white North and, and you get hit with a little snow and everyone panics, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, we, like I said, we kind of expected this was going to happen and, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of a late, uh, late decision here by, by myself here to go live here tonight too. So we are live on, uh, on the VSN network variety sports network. Uh, very excited to be partnered with them as well. Um, as we mentioned a few weeks back, we're going to be, we're going to be sticking with them for, for a while here. And, and, uh, as they are up and coming with the podcast scene, let's call it. Um, I will mention too, we off the top of the show here, we do have uh, Patrick Dennis jr. From, um, not with the hype podcast, a uh, very, very, very cool, uh, pop, uh, podcast deals with pop culture, all kinds of societal things. And, and, and it's fantastic, fantastic to have him on. Uh, we, we did talk about the marketability of the NHL and its players, and he had a lot of great stuff to say about mm-hmm. it. It was fantastic sitting down and talking with him. Um, now worth noting that will be on our streams uh, once the podcast is released on, you know, iHeartRadio and all, all sorts of things like that. But uh, through the live show tonight, uh, we do not have that interview. So be, be sure to tune in um, when we post that podcast as well, that episode. Um, but aside from that, uh, Big, big weekend for the NHL, big weekend for the NHL. Uh, you know, even if you're not a fan of it, it's, it's the all-star weekend down in Florida. Um, I'll give you a quick little all-star story for you. I was, I was writing, well, I still am writing for the hockey writers, but I was writing for them uh, back when the game was in Nashville, the John Scott uh, uh, all-star game. And uh, I posted a little throwback on Twitter today of me interviewing PK Subban, one of the, one of the many personalities that was involved in that, uh, in that all-star game. And um, I, I remember it was, it was, I got credentials, a last minute thing. I drove down 10 hours. I jumped, uh, you know, jumped down to Nashville I, within, within 24 hours, I was doing another 10 hour drive back. But um, I will say one of, one of the craziest moments for me, and I've covered a couple events for the hockey writers, but one of the craziest moments for me was leaving Bridgestone arena in, in, in downtown Nashville, beautiful city. And uh, you know, just following the rest of the media out of the, uh, out of the uh, 
the arena and, and exited through a door and it led to this red carpet. So I was like, okay, I got my bag on my hands in my pockets, head <laughs> down, walking down the red carpet. And uh, you know, all these kids hanging over the rail, just trying to get autographs. Right. And you know, you know how it is as a kid, you want to get mm-hmm. autographs for these players and whatnot. And starstruck. Um, I know I'm not a player. I've got my media credentials on and I'm just kind of walking down this red carpet. And all of a sudden this lady out of nowhere just yells, sign a fucking autograph for Christ's sake. And I'm looking around and she's looking at me and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a player. I can't, I'm not going to sign the kids, kids media or something like that. So, <laughs> um, but looking back, man, I would have, I would have loved to grab a Sharpie and just sign somebody's sign somebody's Jersey. So they had an Andrew Forbes signed Jersey. Hey. Um, yeah, it didn't happen, but great event. And as I mentioned, it was the John Scott, uh, all-star game it was wild uh the media was going crazy over the fact that he was voted in and uh i'll tell you what hell of a speaker at his post-game presser and um you know i I bet he loved every minute of that so all-star weekend for the nhl this weekend skills competition going tonight or happened already um let's jump right into that i know we got some leaf talk to come up to as well but uh peter what's going on with the nhl all-star uh skills competition these days uh well first things first i know you told that story about you going to nashville but hearing that story about like you know somebody wanted to sign it and get your autograph i would have been like i would have just signed it and then if they try to search you up on like hockey db or elite prospects they're going to be disappointed to find nothing but uh minor house league (laughs) exactly exactly they don't have to know what level you play you just played hockey um too funny but uh yeah um where do i begin with the skills comp already from the beginning like everybody if you were on social media and you were checking everything out it was again kind of a what the nhl is basically with a crapshoot of the skills comp um from the very beginning you know there were a lot of empty seats in the arena fans weren't as engaged the atmosphere wasn't as great um you know, even the format and the schedule, you're jumping from event to event. And it's just very confusing how we're, we're so used to having one event, having like six or seven or eight competitors. You get through that event. Then you go on to the next one. Six or seven competitors or six to eight competitors go on, what have you. It was just too much of a mishmash. It, was, it's, it looked like everything was done, like the schedule or like the planning of events was done the day of. And they just basically tried to fly by with it. Like, it was just so annoying. It was so hard to try and follow the format. And I really don't know what else to say. I know, you know, there are a couple comments on there saying that, like, I think the, there were only two highlights, really. Sarah Nurse uh, pulling off the Peter Forsberg in that shootout. That, I think, saved the... Tendy tandem because at that point, the Tendy tandem event was not that great. But then... The splash shot event was kind of cool. I will say that with the where you're using the surfboards as the targets, and then you get in, and then you shoot the puck at the dunk tank, and the player goes in. That was kind of fun. Was but that the pre-recorded event? That was the pre-recorded event. Yeah, but I have one gripe about that. There were times where you had to shoot two or three pucks at the surfboard, and it made it seem like you were actually playing a game at like one of those traveling circuses or carnivals where it seems fixed that you're hitting it and it's not going down. That was my only gripe, but it was still a fun event. So outside of those two things, it was kind of cool. 
Uh, Mitch Marner dressed up as, uh, you know, guy from Miami Vice. David Pasternak was imitating Happy Gilmore with the golf. So, you know what? Kind of like some pop culture references there. But other than that, again, like another lackluster skills competition. Last year was probably the best one where we had with the shootout where Trevor Zegers is going full on dodgeball. Um, but yeah, I, I I was actually hoping that they would try and take some clips from previous skills comp and add it into this one because it was just boring. Did you see Did you see uh, Zegris's tweet after the skills competition? Oh, with the uh, the yawn with the sleeping yeah. emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of how everybody was feeling. And I was going to say to you, I think uh, um, you know, empty seats in Florida is not really a new story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of been been the story for the Panthers for a long time, but and, there, done you know, we, we talked about this with, with Alex uh, a couple weeks back and, and, you know, when we talked about Nylander and whether he should be in the NH, you know, the all-star game and um, you know, the NHL all-star weekend has, it's not just the game. It's not just the three on three competition. Mm-hmm. They, the they, whole, the whole weekend has become more of, you know, just kind of an embarrassing mark on, on the NHL in, in my opinion. And, and, to, to all those people that have a different opinion, by all means, you know, mm-hmm. I support you in having that opinion. Um, for me, myself, like I just, I don't, I don't sit here and look forward to watching what's going on. I, I like to see a little bit of competition. I like to see, you know, Hey, we're going to bump and we're going to grind and we're going to, we're going to, you know, throw, throw the body around a little bit in the games and stuff like that. Like I want there to be a, a competition and not just, you know, this is a fun skate skate around and, I feel like I feel like you're going to a public skate with a hockey stick and you're just mm-hmm. kind of skating around the 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 people that are there without sticks. That's what I feel like this whole weekend's about it now. And you know, it's become more of a more of a performance than it is hockey. Yeah. And and for me, like I'm at the point where I'd rather have no All Star break. I'd rather have, um, you know, maybe a quick international maybe, tournament. maybe everybody gets a weekend off to go down to maui or whatever you want to do and, and do your thing <laughs> but not not like an all-star weekend i'd rather have you just name the the nhl's first all-star team the nhl's second mm-hmm. all-star team the nhl's all rookie team i'm okay with that and, and i think it'd be more credible than what we what we're seeing in florida this weekend but yeah. again that's my opinion um you know, even so i just want to say one more here. quick thing uh sure like show you a quick uh quick comment here from Longtime listener Josh Brownlee, uh, keep up the good work on the podcast, boys. Uh, thank you very much, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Uh, appreciate Josh it. Josh made it out to one of our live shows in Toronto at the bottom line as well. So, uh, appreciate it, Josh. And uh, keep listening, buddy. We can, uh, you know, we can use all the listens we we get, and um, you know, probably got more compliments here from Josh than uh, than the All Star Games going to get this weekend. But <laughs> go ahead with what you had to say there, Peter. Yeah, uh, even like I remember like in the past because, you know, so they did the faster skater event and they did like the whole players going at it one another. Then they got the final two and then they had to take a break and then they went with the final run between Kevin Fiala and Andrei Svechnikov. I remember, like you said, you wanted to be a bit of a competition when you had six, seven, eight players doing that event it's always like you know one lap around and it's always like the whoever has the top one gets the remaining first whoever doesn't and that's where the competition was that's what made it exciting because okay he has the best time what's this next player going to do is he going to beat it is he not and then at the end you save kind of like the best for last and then it's like a last minute ditch effort to try and 
you know, bump somebody down with the last skater. It was, it, it didn't have that feel. It was just like, okay, you're going to go, you're going to go top two done, whatever. Seemed kind of basic. It kind of felt like they were playing like the home or doing the home run derby where they had that break in between. And it's like, I can understand in baseball because, you know, these guys are hitting like 20, 30 home runs in like the span of like, you know, four, four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. You're just doing one lap around for like 12, 13 seconds. That should be enough. And that competition is what makes it best. And I, I that's where I'm just going to end it right there because just the whole entire event, I'm going to be repeating myself. It, 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 it's lackluster. It was boring. And there's just not enough marketability with even the top players. We will get to that quite a bit with our interview with Patrick, but it, it just seems it, it, there was no presence or mindset from anything. Like it, it was just like, I, I really don't know what to say anymore. Yeah. And I mean, we can, we can beat this, beat this till, you know, till the end of time here, but mm-hmm. I think, I think they got to, they got to figure out a way to change things. And it's, I mean, I think the, biggest story right now out of all-star weekend is Sidney Crosby saying that the NHL needs to go back to one versus eight. Yes. Thank you. That might be the biggest, that might be the biggest headline right now coming out of Florida. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I know you agree. I know I agree. It's, it it would set up a great, because right now you've got the fourth best record in the, in the league in Toronto going to end up going against the fifth best record in the league in Tampa Bay. And one of them is going to be out in the first round. Yeah. Or, or, or sorry, the third best, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Regardless, you're going to have two two of your top teams in the East going head-to-head in the first round. And that's not what the playoffs is about. The playoffs is about rewarding the teams that do well in the regular season. Yeah. Hence what uh, Sidney Crosby had to say at All-Star Weekend. And again, we can see how the games might go tomorrow. I, I still think that the biggest storyline might be Sidney Crosby basically Playoff saying, format. you know, Gary, let's let's get our head on straight here. Um, uh, even Rachel Dory, even she commented on that, saying that even after every single round, do the reseeding like you did at the World Juniors, where the top team mm-hmm. still sees, and then you have the second, third, and then move everybody up. That to me would be a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, I mean they 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 got to find a way to do it because right now we talked about it with uh, with Patrick actually, like the the ratings being down twenty two percent in the U.S. Um, you got to find a way to make it a marketable game where people stay interested even in cities where maybe their team isn't as, as uh, competitive mm-hmm. in, in creating more rivalries because the rivalries that you were looking to create and doing what you did divisionally, they're not there. Um, obviously you've got the Toronto and the, the Boston, but you have the same teams every year making the playoffs and going against the same teams in the first round. Um by the time teams get to you know the second, third, fourth round, they're not they're not it's not the same competitive level because you've got injuries that you're dealing with, you've got tired teams, you've got like there's all these things that come into play with it as well. So, like I said, I think when you, when it comes down to it, when All Star Weekend's all said and done, um, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna have a discussion about what what the biggest storylines are, and I, I can tell you right now, I think Crosby's saying that going to be is going to be one of them um in saying that one of gary bettman's big things was having every team represented at all-star weekend we have a guy in bo horvat traded right before all-star weekend um now a member of the new york islanders 
still representing the Pacific Division. Your thoughts on that, but also your thoughts on the Bo Horvat trade in general. Um, what Vancouver got, what New York got in one of what was one of Toronto's targets in Bo Horvat. Yeah, uh, again, Canucks still made a big mistake letting Horvat go and re-signing JT Miller because, again, this is a guy that's been with the organization for so long, and now all of a sudden he's kind of like the odd man out, your captain, so to speak. That just seems like a you know a kick in the gut for him, uh, considering how the season has gone, how there's so many like controversies controversies de- surrounding the organization, but. Like you said, we're here to talk about the actual trade itself. And it was a bit of a shocker because no one expected the Islanders to come up out of nowhere and give the deal that they did. And and on the surface, it may seem like an underwhelming return for Vancouver, considering the fact that the top or the 2023 first is top 12 pick protected. I don't understand why they would agree to that. But then considering how bear the Islanders prospect or, you know, draft capital is, I can understand why they wanted to hang on to it. But if I'm Vancouver, I would still want that because you haven't had first and gotten in God knows how long aside from the before you gave up your first uh, for Oliver Ekman Larson in exchange for Dylan Genther, basically. So that was a big miss, but getting Atu Ratu is a very underrated move considering how he was supposed to be a top, the first overall pick basically in the 2021 draft. So the fact that, you know, he dropped, fell down to the New York Islanders, didn't quite have the best draft season, but he's been able to pick it up and he's been able to find his game, find the goal scoring ability, find the power forward game that made him so special as a prospect. That could be a big difference maker. And the fact that they gave up, you know, a, a centerman that's in his prime right now, Realistically, you would like to keep him, but you got a promising young centerman in Aturatu that can be of a significant impact down the line as your second line center at best. Even if he doesn't reach his true potential, he would still be a very decent third round or third line center, but top six is his top potential. So having him in there, I think there's still a lot of untapped potential with Anthony Bavillier. Um Great skill set, great shot, great, you know, work ethic and energy. I just think there were times he was just a little bit off of the Islanders. So I think maybe going to Vancouver would be a fresh start for him. Overall, it worked out for both sides. You know, Islanders got a relatively decent play or not a relatively decent player, but a really great player in Bo Horvath. And it's going to look even better if they're able to resign him. Nothing at the moment yet, but... Vancouver got young players in return in Beauvillier and especially Ratu. I think he's going to be the main center or the main focus of this team down the line. But yeah, uh, on the surface, I could understand why there are like a lot of head scratching or whatever, but looking deeper, it is a good return for the Canucks. Great ad for the Islanders. So all around wins for everybody. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I think there's two ways to look at this trade right now. And, and the way I'm looking at it is if the Islanders are able to re-sign Bo Horvat, I, I, I truly believe that they win this trade. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that Bolivier is, or Bovillier is, is going to be turn into, to, to what the, the Canucks expect him to be. I oh, think yeah. his ceiling is only, uh, uh, you know, so high. 
Um, and for him to be kind of that centerpiece, I get there's a lot of excitement in what Atu Rati can bring. Um, that said, we've seen the highs and the lows of this prospect. Um, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not convinced that, you know, the lows aren't going to be there when he goes to Vancouver mm-hmm. as well. Um, like you said, he was supposed to be a top prospect in his draft class. Um, that fell off a little bit with his play in his draft year. Um, there was a lot of question marks as to whether he was the same player that, you know, he had originally been scouted as, um, and, and that's going to, that's going to kind of be in the back of the minds of a lot of people. And, and especially Vancouver fans as well, wondering, you know, we traded our captain for these two main assets. Um, and as you mentioned, the, the, the pick itself is, is top 12 protected. So, um, could have had you know, two top 15 picks possibly. Exactly. And, and that's why I, I wonder, you know, I, I said to, I said to somebody, uh, a colleague of mine that I, I believe I, the way I look at it is I think Vancouver rushed the trade. I think mm-hmm. they knew they weren't going to get a deal done with Bo Horvat, you know, Lou swoops in and, and throws this offer at them. And, you know, a young, a young player in Beauvillier, uh, an even younger, still considered a prospect in my mind in Ratty. And then, of course, the, the first round pick looks looks juicy, even though it's outside the top twelve. Um, it, it it looked like a juicy trade, and I think I think um, Alvin bit a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. I think he could have gotten a better a better deal done heading into the deadline with a team that was looking to add a piece like Bo Horvat. Because right now, let's be honest, goal wise, he's having a career year. Um, is he going to be due for for a nice little pay increase? Absolutely, but what he brings to the room, what he brings as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can replace that with what they got. And that's why I'm saying like, if, if New York resigns Bo Horvat, they win the trade. No questions asked. If he walks at the end of this year, then absolutely. Vancouver looks, looks like genial in, in, in what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, for me right now, there's two ways to look at it. I think this is going to be a, a trade that we look at, look back on, you know, in, in, in a year's time and say, okay, this is how it turned out. You know, if he resigns, maybe we look back on it in five years and say, well, you know, Vancouver, this was the start of their, their complete overhaul. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the three of us sat here last week and mentioned how trading Bor- Horvat was probably the worst idea they could have had. Um, not, 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 having the room within their cap to hold on to your captain and, and holding on to a guy like, you know, JT Miller, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely one of those things where you're, you're, you're raising a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I think losing a guy like Horvat in the room is, is a, is a big loss for a team like Vancouver, especially because right now they look, they look like they're in turmoil. I, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Like I I've got, I've got family that are in Vancouver that are, are fans of this team. And I I'm telling you right now, like, that team is in turmoil. You're not going to be making the playoffs this year. You're probably not going to be making the playoffs next year. You've com- you've you've started basically another rebuild after mm-hmm. having done a rebuild after maybe a, the one one of the most horrendous contracts in in Roberto Luongo and not building a team around him. So Sucks to be a Vancouver Canucks fan right now, but at the same time, you know, I hope, I hope for Horvat that he excels in, in New York and gets an opportunity to make a playoff run because, you know, having watched him in London, he, he certainly deserves that kind of credit and, and what he's brought to the Vancouver Canucks. I think he deserved to be treated a little bit better than, than he was, um, 
in terms of, you know, finding him a home in Vancouver. So mm-hmm. um, that said, uh, like, I, like we mentioned off the top of the show, if you're listening on our streams, we will, uh, we will obviously throw to Patrick Dennis Jr. From not with the hype podcast to talk marketability in the NHL and with its players right now. Um, that interview is brought to you by the folks at Indie Alehouse. As always, Hockey is back, and with it, so are our Maple Leafs. Uh, Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang, what better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indie Ale House in Toronto. With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay & Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the Junction at Keel & Dundas, with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers, perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA or the beautiful Marco Polo Pilsner that I have right here with me at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto, adventurous, fun-focused beers, with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose to of in-your-face hoppy beers. For the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com to place your orders today. And with that, we are jumping over to our Maple Leaf talk, and obviously we're going to talk a little deadline as we head into the March 3rd deadline. Um, one target, as we said, Bo Horvat off the table. Uh, I don't, I don't see the New York Islanders trading an asset like that now that they've got him. So we'll take him off our, our, uh, our table as well. But I want to get your insight on what the Leafs need to do at the deadline. Are we talking about, a, you know, making that big splash, get going after the big name like Timo Meyer, or are we talking about like little deals like the Giordano move that we saw that brought him in and, and really changed the the direction of how Lilligren's development was happening uh, just a season ago. Are the Leafs going to be big, big buyers at the deadline? What are your thoughts, Peter? Well, I, as we've talked about many times before, me, you, Alex, we have no idea what Kyle Dubas would be doing. And I think it was, uh, I think it was also Mark Shag who wrote a great piece about the Maple Leafs, how they may surprise a lot of people about what their plans are, because there's a lot of unpredictability in, and I mean by that is you think they're going after one player, but then they go after someone completely different. And that's probably what's going to happen because, you know, we, we, we knew that they were in on Giordano last year. I think this time it might be a little bit different, and they're holding their cards close to their chest right now. Insider, baby. Insider. Exactly. You got it. You got that insider information. That's the main thing. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're going to, like, ideally you would like to try and get a top six forward, but with Horvat gone, and if that, but if that's going to be the market set for that, for a top six player, then the Maple Leafs can talk that because they have, you know, B slash a rated prospects. Um, I, I, they have roster pieces that they can send off in a trade as well. I know they want to hang on to their first this year, but if they're able to even move the 2024 first round pick, I think that might be more within their range of trying to move on from a pick because the Sears draft is very deep, but yeah, I, 
it all depends on who they're going after. And I think if any cost is involving Matthew Nyes, unless you're getting a top tier player with a contract or with term, I don't think you're moving Nyes because he's looking fantastic in the NCAA. You're looking at moving possibly Fraser Minton, Topi Nimala as a prospect, maybe not maybe Nick Robertson, but at the same time, he's dealing with his injuries. Is the team really going to take him on? Um, I think you try to get deals done where you have those like middle six players where you can move them up and down the lineup that have a bit more impact. And I mean by that is, you know, what we're seeing, what we're seeing with Kerf, Alexander Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall, they're, they have their moments in certain games, but then they fall off right after that for like a good stretch. So they don't have that consistency. If you're able to find some players with consistency that is more within their wheelhouse where they could trade B-level prospects, roster players, and still trade like, you know, mid to late round picks. I think that would be more ideal, kind of like the Giordano move. But at the same time, it's uh, very, very up in the air of what they're going to do. They can go big. They have assets to do it. It's just, will they make it work? Because they have, they're so tight to the cap. And would they rather go for like players with a cheaper contract that still have high upside and can still play with their defensive mindset, uh, added physical play, try and be a bit more competitive. I think that's more of the direction that they should go right now. Yeah. I want to get your opinion too on Matthew Nice because there's a lot of conversation. I, I know, I think it was you or Alex engaged with somebody on Twitter uh, in terms of, you know, the untouchability of Matthew Nyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about his year so far at the, uh, in the NCAA uh, at the university of Minnesota. Um, and this kid is, this kid's putting on a show. So last year, a point per game, 15 goals, uh, 33 points in 33 games. And uh, this, this season, 17 goals, 30 points in 28 games. Um you know, this is this is this is one of their top prospects when it comes to big, physical, a guy that can put the puck in the net and and really, in my opinion, you know, you hear about how Kyle Dubas says the first their first round pick this year is untouchable. Well, to me, Matthew Nyes might be your most untouchable prospect. Yeah, and I, I know the comment you're referring to, and uh, they were talking about his production too. How does it seem like? you know, it's jumping off the page like you're seeing with Jimmy Snuggerud or even Logan Cooley who are one, two, or they're ahead of nice in their team scoring. And I said, you know what? Yeah. Production is important, but you got to look past that. What is he doing? That's making him succeed right now. And what makes Matthew nice so successful is the ability to use the size his advantage, playing that power forward game, coming out of the corners with quick speed. He wanted to improve on that aspect, and he has. He's got a much smoother stride this time around. And even so, he this is a player that can, you know, play in all situations, power play. He's played on penalty kill in the past. So this is a player who's not just being an offensive threat, but he's being very responsible. He has the smarts, he has the awareness. He has the ability to locate his teammates. His head is always up. He's always assessing the situation perfectly. And I think that's what you want to see for a player that's able to make the jump from the NCAA to the NHL. And everyone is saying, oh, call it collegiate is different from the NHL. Yeah, we get that. We understand that. We're not trying to overhype him, but he is showing promise that he can make the jump and start to succeed at the next level. Oh, I'm going to 100% overhype them. I mean, we're, we're a Toronto <laughs> podcast and, 
You know, that's, that's true. Yeah, is overhyping everything. Everything when it comes to the NHL, when it's another team's fan base, it's always about Toronto. We're the so, center of the hockey universe. That's right. We're gonna overhype everything that we can. So, um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think right now, yeah, of course you can't compare the NCAA to the NHL, but I mean, when you have a guy that's excelling the way that he is at the NCAA, you don't want to look. You don't want to look past that either. And mm-hmm. We've seen the NCAA over the last number of years, as well as the USHL, become a breeding ground for NHL talent. And it's not the same NCAA that we would have been talking about even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now now this is this is a, a league that we see a lot of players go to uh, developmentally, not only for school, but as well for for getting an, an opportunity to kind of play a little bit more hockey at their level so that they are ready for to make that jump to the NHL. Um, and, and I think, you know, to see what Matthew Nyes is doing for, for Minnesota, you can't, you can't over overlook that. And, you know, the comments to say like, you know, his, his production isn't where it needs to be. I mean, that's, it's like saying Nylander is the worst player because he holds up on hits. I'm, I mean, it's a, yeah. a conversation we, we don't even need to have at this it point. Shouldn't. But yep. Here's, here's the way I look at it is if you, if you, have the right deal in place and the make or break is Matthew Nyes and you are in a position to go on a, on a very, very strong cup run, then yes, you consider trading a guy like Matthew Nyes at this point, the Leafs aren't there. Mm -hmm. And could they go on a run this year? Absolutely. And, And I'm not saying they can't, I'm saying they have not made it past the first round in how many years. To, to, to sit here and, and, and speculate that, yeah, you know what, we're one left wing and one right defenseman away from, from making a cup run, I'm not convinced. To, yeah. to, to say that you need to trade Matthew Nyes because this is, this is the end-all and be-all of, of the, the Maple Leafs' future and they need to, they need to win now, no, you're not, you're not in a win now. Um, people, are going, people are saying that in, in, in thinking that, you know, Matthews is gone at the end of his contract, Nylander's gone at the end of his contract, there's no there's no hard fact saying that either of the, those statements are, are true. Yeah. Right? You've got Riley signed too long-term. Uh, you know, Marner's going to be up in a little bit. My guess is he wants to stay in Toronto. You know, Michael Bunting, as much as I'd love to keep him, if he does go somewhere else, is replaceable. We've seen that. We've seen Hyman yeah. was replaceable. Um, bunting is replaceable. Um, there are players within that lineup that are replaceable. This is not a win. Now you still have to have, you know, potential in the cupboard for when it comes to your future and your mm-hmm. prospect and, and making sure that you, you set this team up for success. If you're, if you're a team like Vancouver, where you're going through the, the ringer and, and trying to find young guys to, to come in and change the culture of that team, you don't want that in Toronto. No. We've seen that happen in Toronto. And how well did that go? How many people had to throw their jerseys on the ice that season? Throw it's waffles not... too. Waffles, you know, <laughs> waffles, jerseys. That's what we do in Toronto. <laughs> uh, maple syrup, you know. Um, but that's not what, like, you don't want to get to that point again. So you don't mm-hmm. want to sacrifice your entire future to maybe get to the third round. You know one, what I'm saying? Yeah. One more point. Those that would be willing to trade Matthew Nice or just about anybody. If you trade Matthew Nice and the trade doesn't work out, 
and the team is good and he's going to and he's going to thrive no matter where he goes you are going to be the same person that complains that we traded Matthew Nyes and the trade didn't work out even though you wanted to trade him so I ask you this this is a player that I'm not trying to put like an uh, enormous amount of pressure on him to come in and be a middle six forward that can have an impact in the playoffs. But what if he does come in? Cause I know it, it's not likely to happen, but what if he does succeed? What if he does play his heart out? What if he does live up to the hype or live up to the expectations that the team has of him? And he is a critical piece in a, in the first round and if everything goes well what if that continues on you he has a lot of potential you just can't give up on that same thing with nick robertson i think right now it's a different situation because he's always injured but he he is a dynamic goal scorer he has shown that you just can't give up on that well and i mean you have to assume that the leagues are going to get some injuries down the stretch and they might need a guy to step in once his season's done in the ncaa Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, let's not sit here and pretend that the Leafs haven't had issues with injuries all season long. That's mm-hmm. going to likely happen again at some point down the road. And they might need that, that, that piece. And, and you don't, you no longer have Nick Robertson to step into that role. So now you have maybe a guy that, that had a point per game season in the NCAA that can come up and, and step into that role. And I mean, you have to you have to try and salvage your future as well. That's my that's my biggest thing is salvage your future. You know what I'm going to do, Peter? Is I'm going to start taking uh, screenshots of every every little bit of Matthew Nye's hate speech that I see over the next little bit. <laughs> and in do. three years, in three years, when he's a top five scorer on this team, we're going to sit down and have the same conversation. And I'm gonna I'm gonna roll a little little. Oh, no. uh, banner across the bottom here of all the hate speech that put i put them all up on the screen the, with the usernames of every single person that 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 released it um oh, so man. stay stay tuned for sticks in the six episode 354 Cold in, takes. In a couple of years but uh no I, I i think for me going back to the question i think the least need to make the right moves for them and mm-hmm. i don't think they're at the point where they go after i know everybody wants timo meyer i know they want timo meyer or I jacob chikrin I, I would love either one of them. I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs go after somebody like a James Van Riemsdyk, somebody like a Travis Konechny. Um, Travis Konechny. Um, even even that might be a little bit of a stretch for what they what they are willing to give up. Um, you know, I think I think they really have to look at what they have um, and and consider is is this the final straw to getting to the the Stanley Cup final and right now I I have to see consistency in their play and I haven't seen that mm-hmm. you know we've seen them play down to the the the, the lower teams in the standings and if that's going to continue to be the case you're not ready to to make that big splash at the trade deadline to go all in that's 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 where my head's at I think that those five games against Columbus, Montreal, and Chicago, I think that would be if they're able to go five and zero in that in those in, during that stretch, maybe four and one because one of them is going to be back to back. You got to see what you can do because all those three teams are below in the standings, and you don't want a repeat of what we saw weeks ago with Toronto versus Montreal against Ottawa because those are valuable points gone, and those are teams that you should be winning against no matter what. These next two weeks are going to be big for them. And and yeah. there will 
Matthew. So, I mean, this is, this is a real test for them. And, and I'm, I'm going to throw one more name out there again. I threw it out a few weeks ago when I wrote the piece of why Dubas was seeing that the Arizona game Lawson Krause is a guy that I truly, mm-hmm. truly, truly, truly believe he's a guy that kind of fits the mold of a, of a, you know, big body physical being that can fit into the Wayne Simmons type of role. Um, if you take on like the big bad Bruins in the playoffs, but he can also tuck and that's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest thing. And, you know, he's not, he's not to the same level of Tom Wilson, but he's on the verge of being that Tom Wilson type of guy where he, he can put up 15, 20 goals and still be a physical presence in the lineup. I think he's a perfect left winger for that second line. I, I, I'm throwing that name out there. If he gets, if he, it, you know, if somehow he finds his way to Toronto, I'm calling myself the insider once again. <laughs> kind of a little bit of a spoiler alert for me. I know, like, they were, like, you know, target pieces for the St. Louis Blues that, you know, um, Shane Sini and Spencer Lazari have talked about. They talked about Ivan Barbashev and Noel Chari. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, Jeremy Rutherford came out saying that they could be had for, like, mid, for a second, third, fourth round pick, what have you or second and third, possibly a fourth, if they don't have that third, they they can be had for mid-round picks or B-level prospects, I think. If you can manage that for two players that could play physical and chip in with goals, that could be huge. That could be a big addition. And you're not giving up a whole lot because you're giving up pieces that can be easily replaced. Yeah, no, I and that, that's what they need to do. They need to find ways of getting those pieces to replace what they what they need um for for you know that those cheaper prices in saying that after i've shut down the timo Meyer idea what do you think the price is for a guy like timo Meyer? and and do you think the leafs do have a way of making it work for him yeah uh the, it's it's funny you brought that up because shang shang peng from san jose hockey or sj hockey now came up with, you know, the potential or like there's an outside source that said what the potential asking price is. It's a first rounder and a grade one prospect, which you're probably looking at 2023 and Matthew Nice, if that's the case, or two great B graded prospects, one good prospect or one good prospect and a young established NHLer. So I think if that's the second, the latter half that you go through, if you can trade a, you know, Nick Abruzzese or even a Ronnie Hirvonen, or even if you need to throw in Fraser Minton, what, two out of those three players, that can be had. Plus, there's also the fact that, you know, you could throw in a good prospect or those two are already decent prospects as well. Topi Nimolo, right-handed shot defender, an established NHL player that's also young, that can be had. And if you get to keep Matthew Nice in your first and you go for that latter option, that could be a potential starting point in my view, because if you're giving up mid-tier prospects plus a well-established young talent in the NHL right now, if you get to keep your first and eyes, I think that's the way you go. Yeah, I mean, if you can find a way to get it done and you know that you're going to lock up Timo Maier, the biggest, the biggest problem right now is if you go after Timo Maier, you've got big contracts and Matthews, Nylander, mm-hmm. Marner all coming off the books in the next couple of years. He's asking for $9 million possibly. So, and his qualifying offer is $10 million, so you're in tough. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the, the, the aspect of that trade that I'm looking at. I'm like, it doesn't make sense for the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. As, much as, as much as it'd be nice to get him in there, it, it, to me, 
you're giving up too much of your future for a guy that, you know, will will be there for the remainder of his contract and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I, I'm not willing to go that route. Um, knowing what we've done in the past with the Felino trade, giving up the first round pick, yeah. and, albeit in, in a, in a bit of a weaker draft. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the Leafs making that big move. I, 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 I truly believe that the Leafs are going to make a couple of smaller deals. Um, maybe they find a way to get Simmons on a team where he's going to play a little bit more. Um, you know, get some some smaller pieces that that add a little bit of depth to the lineup. I don't see Timo Meyer being that piece, and um, you know, he look he would look great in blue and white, but yeah, it's just it, it's too big of a cost, and and moving forward contractually, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but again, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not an insider. I'm not Bob McKenzie. I'm <laughs> not uh, you know any of those guys. Uh, but. I, I I'm just looking at it from the outside uh, perspective, armchair GM, and uh, I just I, I don't see that being a yeah. reality for for the Maple Leafs. Agree. Um, Leafs making the deadline work um, for versus the Bruins in Tampa. So that's going to be the biggest question mark, right? Obviously, the Bruins. You know, they're the they're they're the the hierarchy of this, of this NHL season, right? They're, they're, they're the, the ones at the top of the Eastern conference. They're, they're at the top of the overall standings. Um, the Leafs need to find a way to have a better deadline than the two teams that they're going to see likely in the first two rounds. Um, now we know Bo Horvat, obviously not going to the Bruins anymore. That was a little bit, of, there was some speculation there as well, as well as some speculation that, you know, Horvat might come to the Leafs. So that one's off the table. Uh, seems like Tampa Bay always finds a way to make the deadline interesting for themselves. Last last year they got Brandon Hagel leading up to the deadline, um, and again went on went on a great run to the Stanley Cup final. Your thoughts on the Leafs if they can outduel the Bruins and the, the Lightning going into the deadline? Yeah, and the big thing that we've been talking about lately is draft capital prospects. Um, the Boston Bruins, if they were in on Bo Horvat, chances are they would have to give up Fabian Lysel. And if they were willing to do it, they would have pulled, they would have got on the phone and say, yeah, we're doing this right now. They are not giving up Lysel because their prospect system is absolutely bare. They right. have, it's, it's awful. Yeah. I, I, they're probably one of the weakest in my, in my eyes. And they do have some good names. They do have Brett Harrison. They have Mason Lorai. They have some quality names in their system, but they if you were to move them in a trade, you're not, it's not going to be enough to bring in a top-tier name unless it's just Lizelle. So that, to me, is one reason why Boston would probably be going for death players or role players as opposed to going for, like, a top six. Same thing with Tampa Bay. Um, you know, looking at their prospect system – you know, they, they got Isaac Howard. They have, you know, Jack Thompson. They have Jack Finley. They got they got good names, but they don't have ones that, because they basically gave everything up after that Brandon Hagel trade. They gave up their top prospects, essentially, in that deal. Um, so it, it, it's kind of the same situation as the Bruins. They, ha- they don't have a deep enough prospect system to try and move prospects. Um, they have late round picks that could be of use to them, but that's still not enough because at most they have a second, 
in 2024. And this year they don't have a pick until the third round, fourth round. Um, same thing with the Bruins too. I mean, they got to pick in every single round, but I think they're going to hold on to them because I think they know how bare their prospect system is to try and make the most of those picks. Um, they can move their first, they can move their third, but it, they probably made their last big transit transaction by getting Hampus Lindholm last year as well. So um, I, I, they'll make deals. They'll make good solid depth deals because that's what they do. They got a good scouting departments, both teams, but I don't think they're going to get in a big or the top name like they did last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, like you said, it's going to come down to, which one can make the best depth deal? Um, obviously, Tampa's had a, had a knack for building up that third mm-hmm. line, which is what ultimately won them two Stanley Cups. Um, and Boston's, Boston's, you know, Boston's Boston. They're gonna have that top three line. Uh, they got Hall in the, as one, you know, one of their depth players. They're gonna have, they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna be the same tough Bruins that we've had had to play against for the last, you know, four or five years, right? But. Uh, it's going to come down to, you know, the Leafs and Dubas finding a way to make that kind of small deal that ends up being a big piece heading mm-hmm. into the playoffs. And and realistically, like like I said, you want to find a cheap option. You want to find like a, a Michael Bunting where you can add a piece to the lineup for cheap and, and he comes in and gets something done. And and maybe it comes down to goaltending. We don't know the the, the health of Matt Murray and where he's at with his ankle. Um but uh, it's going to be an interesting deadline leading into that last this last month before before the March third uh, um, yeah, NHL deadline, and uh, you know it's it's definitely something that uh, we'll continue to talk about on a weekly basis for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Leafs need to find a way to outduel these two teams ahead of them because until until Gary decides to go back to that one eight playoff. Um, well, these are the two teams that we're likely going to be seeing in the, in the first couple rounds here. And uh, the Leafs have to find a way to try and get it done um, on that side of the, on that side of it. But listen to Sid, Gary, listen to Sid. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's been the face of the he's NHL for years. Face of the NHL. Exactly. exactly what we talked about with Patrick Dennis Jr. <laughs> here on this episode. But um Peter, before we before we shut it down here, a couple quick notes. Dylan Strom signed a five year extension with the Washington Capitals. Um, good for him. I mean, we saw Mark Shag talk about it. He's been kind of you know sticking to it after he got drafted third overall and just didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's found a way. He's found a home in Washington and now you know collects on that bag. Um, and I would be remiss um, if we didn't mention Bobby Hall uh, passing at the age of eighty four. Obviously, a lot, a lot of controversy on the Twitterverse yeah. um, about Bobby Hall as a person. Um, and I saw the perfect tweet. You can't celebrate him as a player without recognizing what kind of person he was away from the game. Yep. And uh, so with that, I will leave it there and say, you know, obviously our, our, our thoughts are with his family at this time. Um, you know, it's obviously a tough thing to go through. That being said, um, you know, you have to look at all aspects of a, of a person, not just the, the player mm-hmm. they were on the ice as well um, to, to rightfully celebrate or not celebrate who they are uh, with their passing. So 
That being said, Peter, before we shut it down here, our live show here tonight, uh, episode 112 of Sticks in the Six. Anything you got for us coming up this week? Yeah, uh, I mentioned it. I gave it a little spoiler alert. Uh, got something about how the Leafs can try and acquire Barbashev and Achari as opposed to maybe Ryan O'Reilly, who might be a little bit of a heftier price tag, may still want to stay in St. Louis. So they have options there as well. So be on the lookout for that. All right, I will be. Uh, I got a. I got a piece coming out about why Dubis was in Kitchener, ta- looking at looking after the uh, Kitchener Rangers. So um, that should be a fun one. That should be a fun one. Something we can look at uh, heading into the the June draft. I was about to say. I already gave you my guesses. So yeah, there you go. There yep. you go. Um, with that, obviously, we missed Alex this week. Uh, we'll be happy to welcome him back next uh, next week. A uh, big shout out to Patrick Dennis Jr. from Not With The Hype Podcast. Be sure to check out his podcast. Be, f- be sure to check out our episode when we release it on all the streaming networks, iHeartRadio, YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you head over there and download. Uh, help us out. Help us continue to push this uh, this fantastic show. And a big shout out to the folks at Indie Alehouse and variety sports network as they continue to partner with the sticks in the six podcast with that that's it for peter and myself this week for episode 112 of sticks in the six be sure to follow us all on twitter at andrew g forbes at a hobson media and at a at p barracchini you can also follow the show at sticks in the six pod that's s-t-i-x-i-n-t-h-e six i-x p-o-d until next week episode 113 That's all we got. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check us out on all of our streams.